we are told, and this is very crazy to me, that there are emotions that are public and there are emotions that are private. Yeah. And that is messed up, dude. We live in a world that tell us there are gendered emotions. Mm. That is not okay. We are humans. You get the same feelings when you were born that I get. How come you are not able to cry, but I am? That is not okay. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 34 of Be More Well. My guest today is author Amalia Andrade. She's coming to us from Colombia, the country, not the city south of Baltimore. We're talking about fear and her latest book. But first, Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast hosted by me, Jeff St. Pierre. Now, what do I know about wellness? Almost nothing. But that's why I started this podcast. I wanted to talk to people from all across the wellness spectrum. Doctors, athletes, musicians, moms, dads, everyone who has a story to tell about how they've found mindfulness and wellness in their life. Ultimately, my goal here is to provide you with some information and inspiration that will help you be happier, be healthier, be less stressed, be more mindful. I really just want you all to be more well. I'm sorry this episode is coming a day later than usual. I'll tell you, being a parent is hard work, and I don't think you can ever fully understand how much it is until you go through it yourself. I thought working from home with my baby would be a piece of cake, but I'll be honest, I'm struggling to find the time to sit and really work on this show, uh, not to mention do the dishes, do the laundry, take a shower. Actually, now that I think about it, when was the last time I took a shower? I should probably get on that. Thank you so much for sticking around with me while I continue this transition and try to figure out how best to navigate life and manage my time. So what's your fear? What are you really afraid of? I always think the first thing that pops into people's minds is the obvious things like uh, spiders, snakes, and vampires that secretly live in the basement or not so secretly because I know they're around. You can't run and hide forever. Okay, sorry. Where, where was I? Oh yeah, fear. I'll tell you mine. I'm afraid that I'm going to be a bad dad. Every time I hold my baby girl and she cries, I immediately start to worry that I did something wrong. Did I hold her too tight? Did I put the right diaper on? Did I feed her enough? Did I burp her enough? Does she not like my singing voice? Did I whistle too loud near her ears? Did I look at her the wrong way? Does she not like my haircut? I'm not joking. These are all the thoughts that run through my head because I'm an actual crazy person. Uh, fear has been built into our minds to be a bad thing. In the social constructs of the world, people view fear as a negative emotion, but maybe it's not. Maybe fear is something that we have because it's meant to teach us something or to protect us. There's a reason that if you see a bear running in your direction that you feel fear because your body is trying to tell you to turn the hell around and get out of there. Author and illustrator Amalia Andrade has decided to tackle the idea of fear in her latest book, Things You Think About When You Bite Your Nails. We'll talk about this in the conversation, but her writing style to me is so unique. It's art mixed with words, and, well, I kind of have a hard time describing it, actually. All I know is it's incredible, and I love it. It's very engaging. I also love that Amalia has been making an effort to talk about emotions through her work. It's time that we broke the stigma on that. So I recorded this conversation just a few days before my wife gave birth, and I had to put things on hold, so I'm glad that I finally get a chance to share this with you. Amalia and I caught up via Zoom. She lives in Colombia, the country. I know it sounds weird to specify that, but every time I say Colombia to someone, they know a different town of Colombia in the United States somewhere, whether it's South Carolina or outside Baltimore. Like, no, 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 Colombia, the country. This is kind of a cool experience for me because it's only the second time that I've had a chance to Zoom with someone in a different country. So it's really neat to know how connected we all actually are in this world. 
Now, before we dive into the conversation, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you're listening on right now. That way you'll be notified of all the new episodes that come out down the line. I'd also love it if you would rate and review the show so the podcast powers that be know how we're doing. You can find us on Instagram at Be More Well Podcast. I try to put some inspirational content there as well. That's the best place really to reach me too if you're interested in doing that. Shoot me a DM on Instagram if you got any questions, comments, or suggestions for future guests. I'm all yours. Be More Well is a project that I selfishly started for myself, but I would love to bring on guests for topics that you want to learn more about as well. And now here's my conversation with Amalia Andrade. How are you, Jeff? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. It's actually great to see you. I was supposed to interview you a while back about your other book. Uh, you always change the love of your life, but things got in the way and I wasn't able to do it. So I'm so glad I've had a second chance. No, I'm so glad too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what is going on uh, in your world other than doing this rapid fire interview session that you're on right now? This is so crazy, right? Uh, you know, I'm just uh, trying to survive COVID. <laughs> trying to survive the pandemic, trying to stay sane in this, you know, crazy world. But I'm doing okay. I'm with my family. I'm with my wife here in Colombia and trying to, you know, survive. <laughs> I'll bet the book launch looks a lot different for you than the way you maybe anticipated it happening this year. Yes, very, very different. Uh but also I think I'm I'm glad this is the book that is coming out. Mm. Right now I'm working on other stuff and it's hard for me to concentrate because I keep thinking, is this really gonna be important for people? You know, is this really what people need right now? But I am I am very proud of this book and I hope really in these fearful times it can help some people, you know. Well, it's interesting, too, because whenever you're working on something like a book, it doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, this book has likely been done for quite some time, but now we're just finally able to see it. So even when you wrote it, you weren't necessarily expecting a global pandemic to be happening uh, oh, when it was coming out. You know? So who knows? I mean, when your next book is finished, it could be coming at the exact right time for that one, too. Well, that is, huh? Thank you. That's that that gives me some hope. Uh, but yes, you know, um, fear and anxiety are stuff that have been in my life forever, and that I think are so present in the world right now, even before the pandemic. Uh, and you know, being from Colombia, I grew up in very <laughs> fearful situations. Sure with the drug cartels going on when I was a kid, you know, it was very, very crazy. When I grew up, I learned very early that fear was being used as a powerful tool to govern us. Mm. Uh, and I realized that it, it is a tool not only used by politics or by other people, but it is a tool that your mind used against you. And I was very interested in understanding how it works, how can I get to understand it, how can I get to beat it, and how can I, you know, take a grasp of it in a way that I can prevent for it to govern me, but also I can understand with whether others are trying to use it against me. So I think this book is it has helped me a lot and I hope it, it helps people. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it definitely has. And I like the way that you break it down in the book too, because not only do you talk about fear and you dissect what fear means, but you also talk about ways that you can use it to your advantage or how fear can actually be a good thing in a lot of situations too. Yes. 
fear it's actually a good thing you know it's crazy that we live in a society that tell us that there are good and bad feelings mm -hmm. man that is so crazy it's so simple it's like just in front of us but it is so crazy it has such profound implications that we live in a society that is bombarding us telling us you need to be happy you need to feel joy seek happy seek happiness at all costs seek success you know that's not how it works human beings we have all of the feelings and that and that's okay you know sadness is okay depression is okay Fear is okay, but it's so crazy. We do not know how to relate to that mm. things. Like when fear kicks in, we are like, oh man, I know I've been taught forever that this is not good. I need to run. And then also your body is ready for it to run because your body, our biology, I think is not as evolved as, for example, our technology. So we are not living in a world where we are facing many menaces there's no bears are not chasing us you know there are no snakes uh as we live more in the city we are less um you know exposed to these mm -hmm. threats but our body doesn't know that you know yeah so our bodies are very equipped with with all this fear so society is telling you fear you run and then your body is telling you fear you run so do you have a good relationship with fear? Of course you don't, but it is such a big part of everybody's life. So I think we need to break it, understand it, stop fearing fear, stop you know accepting fear and being compassionate to fear and understanding that there's actually a lot of power about behind fear. You know, I think that fear when you understand your fear, when you tap into your fear, when you try to see what is behind your fear, you're going to have power on you. You're going to learn stuff about you. You're gonna be more compassionate. You're gonna be more free. And that is gonna help you live a better life. And, that, and I also think that's gonna help you be more empathetic and help others. So actually, I think there that there should be a revolution of fear, you know. <laughs> a fear revolution is happening right now. <laughs> fear revolution, thank you. There, I, I have this singer that I like really much. Her name is Celia Cruz, and she has in a song I love, she has a line I love, and she says, sorry if my English is not very good looking. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I always try to do a little bit of research about people that I interview beforehand because you never know, maybe something will come up that I can, you know, talk to you about that I didn't know before. And I was looking you up and everything came back to me in Spanish. And I was like, really should have paid attention in Spanish class a little bit more. Yeah, no, you know, but I'm also, I'm trying to not feel self-conscious when mm. I speak in English because I know it's not it's not perfect. It shouldn't be also because it's my second language. Sure. It's not my first, but so far so good. Yeah, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Please don't feel self-conscious about that. You're doing wonderfully. Thank you very much. We're talking about one of my fears right now. Exactly, See? exactly. And one of my fears coming into it was being able to 
uh, talk to you and not say something that would throw you off in a way. Like maybe if I said something that you didn't quite understand, that was something I was worried about coming in. But I don't think we have to worry about that now. I think we're okay. No, (laughs) we're great. (laughs) Kind of going off what you were just talking about, though, too. I I was thinking about social media and you mentioned that in the book as well. And it's almost like social media has been bred to suppress our fear in a lot of ways. And when you talked about that, it it made me think of those really sad instances where you see uh, that somebody died because they fell off a cliff trying to take a selfie for social media. And it's like, you, you should be afraid of the edge of that cliff, you know, like so getting that picture should not stop the fear of that situation, you know? Yeah. That is one great example of how fear actually is good for you. It helps you. Yeah. That person should have been very afraid of that cliff. Uh, so it helps you stay alive. Um, and I think social media, it's crazy because it is designed to actually disconnect you from pain mm. and gives you it gives you a sense of validation and it, it gives you a rush. And I think since we are since we are in this society, as I was telling you, that it's very um, I don't know, shaped towards only good sensations, it's very easy for us to get hooked on that. But then there's also a lot of pain in there. I want to be very cautious about this analogy, but I think what social media brings to our lives, it's somehow related to what drugs do. Mm, Yeah. It's like an easy, quick fix. It's a hit, but there's more damage to it than what the surface presents. And for example, something that is very difficult about social media is that you're comparing your insights to somebody's Mm -hmm. outside. And that is crazy. Like your self-esteem, your sense of worth, your value, everything is going up against somebody's outside. And that is crazy. And that actually leads to fear. You're comparing yourself all the time. I'm not as successful. I'm not as beautiful. I don't have that body. Mm-hmm. And the new, and you're not rationally processing this. You're just fitting through it all the time, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So I don't want to demonize anything. I don't want to demonize social media, but I think we should relate to it more cautiously sure. and with a more critic approach. And I also definitely the way it doesn't help with fear and with anxiety is that it disconnects you from your present. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's very sad to, to see people. And I myself have, have experienced it a lot being in a park and then not being in the park a lot at all. Sorry, because I'm actually in my phone yeah. watching someone have wonderful vacations in Hawaii. That is not good for fear. Mm. That actually fits fear and it definitely fits anxiety. And when you're trying to fight anxiety and fight fear, you're wanna you're going to want to be present, be in the moment. So I suggest you check your relationship with social media and try to put it aside, you know? I don't remember who said it, but there's a quote somewhere of somebody talking about what you just mentioned. It said, there's only two industries in the world that talk about their customers as users, the drug world and social media. And I was like, that's fascinating. It's so interesting how they do have such similarities. 
Yeah, it's. I think it's that movie, The Social Dilemma. That's right? where I saw it. That's right. That is where I saw it. Yep. <laughs> and I think I loved how the movie exposed many problems of social media. I think actually the movie is kind of tricky because it taps on fear. It does. It taps on fear. And so I didn't like that quite a lot. I like that they're telling you some truth and that you can, you know, consume them and see, okay, I, I will have like an important position about this now. But I also think that social media can definitely be a space for communities and for contact, especially in mental health. You know, sometimes you feel very alone. You don't feel understand. Um, you feel you're the only one going crazy from anxiety and you get into social media and you find really good communities. So I think it depends. You need to, we need, it's up to you on how you use it and how to get the best out of it. Uh, the book we're talking about here today is called Things You Think About When You Bite Your Nails, a Fear and Anxiety Workbook. You also talk in there about how fear can be a prison. And I was kind of thinking about this in relation to my wife. I, I try to not let things bother me too much because I feel like I worry about enough stuff in the world that when little things pop up, I'm just like, you know what? I don't have, I can't do it. I don't have time for this. My wife is a, is a person though that worries about everything, you know? Uh, and, and sometimes that's great because sometimes she thinks about things that I wouldn't. And that's a good thing to yeah. balance us out. But sometimes she'll lose sleep for days worrying about something that may never even happen. And fear is so interesting in that way that it can grab on and not let go no matter what you tell yourself. No. No, you become a slave of fear. Yeah. It won't let you go. It won't let you go. And that is why it's so important to understand how it works. And even sometimes when you understand how it works, fear is still going to have a power over you. But when you have the tools, you can always come back to the knowledge and you can always come back to the tools to tell yourself, oh, okay, this is like, this is the fear doing it, its thing. Mm -hmm. I like to think of fear as a great illusionist or a magician in a way, because it presents things larger than they are, or sometimes there's like these magic tricks that it does. But if you know how the magic trick works, then it's over for you. It's like, oh, I see now, so it's over. So it might be entertaining to watch magic tricks. It is actually very entertaining, even though you know how they, they work. That's exactly, that's exactly how I want people to relate to fear mm. in a way that they know how it's, how it's working. They know how to stop. They know how to bring calm. And then if sometimes for any reason it gets ahead of you, you can always come back. Mm -hmm. That's what the book is all about, about giving people the tools and the space to understand, to navigate, and to also laugh. It has a lot of humor, so you can laugh about being that stressed, worryful person. Uh, your wife is, I share that with her, <laughs> I am like that. My wife is all, always like, oh my God, stop worrying so much. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's true. Uh, so when you have the information, when you have the tools, it's easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to say we've talked a lot about what the book is about, but I love your 
writing style or your publishing style because of the way you work everything together, the illustrations, the handwritten notes, the actual type. I, I feel like when I'm reading it, I'm, I'm also being entertained. And sometimes I forget that I've just learned so much. And I'm like, wow, I just made it through all that. And I've, I've learned so much about life and it made me laugh. It, made, it was entertaining. How did you decide to use that style working so many different things together? First, thank you. <laughs> for the compliment i'm like whoa i did it <laughs> it's fantastic i didn't know if it was i didn't know if it was going to work but what you just said it was like yeah i did it it worked um you know from my own experience i have learned that humor has a lot of healing power because when you're able to laugh at stuff that is actually very hard what you're doing is you're gaining perspective mm-hmm. uh without knowing just, just by laughing, your brain is actually gaining perspective. Your brain, you, you don't tell, you can't tell, but where, what your brain is doing is, is, oh, look, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. I am not alone in this. And if I can laugh at this, then maybe this is not as, as bad as I thought first. And I love illustration because first, I think we learn in different ways we learn through words and then we learn through images and when you combine them you are getting different parts of your brain to learn different stuff so i was compelled and i'm always compelled by that and then on the other side i myself by becoming an illustrator and by drawing i have discovered this really powerful potential that drawing has uh, for you to heal there's so much therapeutic power in drawing. Yeah. Why? Because I learned, and this is science, I didn't make this up. <laughs> As a baby, humans, you co- we come equipped to understand and to feel music. Mm. So when you're a baby, when you put music to a baby, he dances all by himself. You don't have to explain to him, oh, this is music. Right. You need to dance to this. No, you just, you dance. If you give a baby who's able to grab stuff a crayon, you don't need to tell that kid, this is for drawing or writing. He just knows he's going to go all over the walls of your house and make a big mess. There's a lot of languages in the world. Music is a language, you know, English, Spanish, that's a language. But drawing, it's also a language. But what is most powerful is that it's a language that is pre-verbal. Mm. That means that it's you know how to draw long before you know how to speak. And we humans are made by many emotions that are pre-verbal. I want to give you an example. Sure. Um, I don't know if this has happened to you, but for example, you're feeling um, weird for a week you're like i don't know what is this feeling i don't know what this feeling is maybe by chance you're also start you have started seeing somebody but you have this weird feeling you you don't know what's going on and then a friend of yours who knows you very well and who is you are living all these emotions so they're valid they're there right and then this friend come over and he tells you you know what's going on yeah you've fallen for that girl. Mm. That's the crazy thing that's going on. And you say, boom, it's like a light bulb, right? And you say, yes. And I want to ask you, do those feelings 
were present before you put it into words. Yeah. They they were present, yeah. right? So they were preverbal. We have so many preverbal feelings. So when we tap into drawing, we have like this very powerful tool to access all those feelings and to, you know, make sense of the world easily. So that's why I'm such a big fan of illustration. And that's why the book asks people to draw, even mm. if they think they suck at it, or even if they don't think as, as themselves as creative persons, drawing is very therapeutic, you guys, just do it. Uh, your previous book too uh, uses a lot of the same styles of writing. Uh, that's the one called You Always Change the Love of Your Life. I also feel like they're related in a way because to me, people that uh, have a lot of anxiety or have a lot of fear also tend to be very passionate people because they just feel a lot of things uh, in general. And Do you find that these two books are kind of related in a way? Yes, they are. Uh, my first book is um, mainly about heartbreak uh, and about grief not only because of you know romantic relationships but because of whatever mm-hmm. um and i think that heartbreak and grief and love and fear are very connected if you ask me and this is gonna sound very cliche i think that the most powerful two most powerful you know feelings or the two most powerful sources of wisdom and energy and great things in the world are fear and love. Yeah. And that's what my two books are about. Um, That actually lines up perfectly with my last question for you uh, because your publisher sends out some information when they send the book out before interviews. And in the notes, it says that you are on the forefront of, quote, a revolution of emotions. Can you describe that? Can you talk about that? Because I want to hear what you think about that statement. (laughs) I love my publishers. Thank you, publishers. (laughs) You know what? I do believe in the revolution of emotion, and it's something I'm working on right now. What I was telling you about, to me, is very crazy that we live in a world where there are good and bad emotions. Mm -hmm. That is so messed up. But it's what is probably worse about all this is that we have no idea what to do with with certain emotions you know we are human beings we come equipped with all of this and then we have no idea what to do with them and then we wonder why there's so much pain anxiety why we feel so lost is because we don't know what to do with ourselves mm. and one example for me for example is Uh, crying it's so crazy how ill-equipped we are for helping or attending or accompanying someone who is crying what's the first thing we do when someone cries what's wrong hey don't cry or don't cry (laughs) what don't cry or what's wrong with you that's that's crazy yeah people are crying and we're telling them not to cry and i know some of it comes from empathy right we want we love these people we want them to be okay but also, have you seen someone crying like in the street and you, 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 it's like seeing a ghost. You don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You feel so you get all these mixed messages and you're like, oh my God, should I go? And then, but no, they need space. And you know why that happens is because we are told, and this is very crazy to me, that there are emotions that are public and there are emotions that are private. Yeah. And that is messed 
up, dude. We live in a world that tell us their gendered emotions. Mm. That is not okay. We are humans. You get the same feelings when you were born that I get. Mm-hmm. How come you are not able to cry, but I am? That is not okay. That is not okay. You, you need to cry the same I need to cry. Everybody needs to cry. You get to be this, as much of afraid as I get to be afraid. So to me, the revolution of, of emotions is about redefining the way we understand, we connect, we process feelings and emotions in the world. And I think there are people who are fighting political fights, economical fights, you know, and to me, this is as unimportant of a fight as those are, because we are world in crisis and emotion has a lot to do with that. There are leaders in the world out there that are using our emotions against us. And that is not okay. Well, I'm glad I brought that up because that was a fantastic answer. And thank you so much, Uh, Amaya. It's been a pleasure talking with you before uh, we let you go. uh, Where can people go to find out more information about you? Is there a good place? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, my website, uh, it's amaliaandrade.com. And I'm all over social media, of course, because even if I, you know, uh, think it, it can bring some evil into the world, I'm also into it. So it can also bring Amalia. good. It's not all about evil. It can also be good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It can also bring good. So it's amaliaandrade underscore. I'm all over there, especially Instagram. So yeah, you can find me in there. Well, congratulations. The book is great. Things You Think About When You Bite Your Nails, a fear and anxiety workbook. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to read your next book. Thank you so much for having me and for helping me with my broken English. <laughs> uh, it's It's been a pleasure. And to all the readers, go fight your fears and go be compassionate to your fears. And, you know, we're in this together. Thank you so much. You've been great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Big, big, big thank you to Amalia Andrade for taking some time out of her day to hang with me. And thank you to all of you folks for listening. I really appreciate that you decide to share some of your day with me on Be More Well. Again, don't forget to subscribe to the show and please leave a review and rating. I'd appreciate it. Until next week, take care.